Welcome to Encouraging Truths for Today. We're glad to bring you this message from First Baptist Church in Crockett, Texas. Now please join us as we learn to grow deeper in our relationship with God and each other. Amen. Amen. Let's open our Bibles today to 1 Peter chapter 5. As we think about the Lord being our salvation, ultimately through Christ we are saved from the penalty of our sin. He is saving us from the power of sin and ultimately he'll save us from the presence of sin. That is all over the text that we're going to read today. Uh, The Apostle Peter, under the inspiration of God, is writing to Jewish believers who have come to know Jesus as Messiah that are within the Roman Empire suffering persecution. Now, now just think about that. They were living in an ungodly culture. Their life was on the line. Their medical health care was very questionable. Their life was very fragile. And so Peter isn't addressing really any of that. He's addressing the true matters at hand. And as we read this passage, I hope you'll be reminded that we have brothers and sisters in Christ suffering around the world for the faith today. Uh, we have brothers and sisters in Christ who, who will die somewhere in the world, several of them before I finish my message today. And so we've, we've lived kind of in a, a fantasy world that, that the culture has to be good for us to be okay, when in reality, what they're experiencing is the norm of our world. But if you ask people today on the street, what's the, what's the number one threat and issue we're facing? Oh, it's medical. No, not according to Scripture. Oh, well, it must be financial. No, man shall not live by bread alone or uh, man's well-being does not consist in the things he possesses. It's political. It all hinges on these political systems. No, 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 no. Our ultimate threat and issue is spiritual. We are threatened the most by Satan, sin, and self, our sinful nature. And that's what's eating away at our culture. And so one of the things that I think the devil is very good at is deflecting the attention away from himself and getting us distracted. My friend Daniel Henderson refers to that as weapons of mass distraction. And so here, the apostle Peter is reminding people in a cultural challenge, a social challenge, political challenge, but with deep spiritual things at stake, keep their eyes on the prize and to remember what is most important and what is ultimately at stake. So this is what he says in verse eight. 
be sober or alert. Be vigilant or watchful. Your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect you and establish you and strengthen you and settle you. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So today I want us to focus on our true invisible enemy. But more than that, our invincible God. Let's pray together. Father, we have been so blessed by you to have freedom to come to this place uh, multiple times a week to worship, to study, to grow. Father, we see how quickly that could change. And so we celebrate that we're here, but we're thankful that you're faithful even when we're not able to come to this place. And Father, we thank you today. Many of us grew up in a Christian heritage. And Father, especially today, I thank you for my mom and for the truth that she poured into my life from a very, very early age. Father, we thank you for godly mothers who shape hearts and and change the world through their children. But Father, ultimately today, we're thankful for Jesus. For the eternal freedom from the bondage of sin you have provided for us through him. For an inner well-being of peace and joy in the midst of turmoil and catastrophe. And so Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ in this room and that are watching online now for keeping our faith strong through this, for keeping us connected to you. Father, we pray that you would help our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world that are being persecuted and martyred for their faith, that you would give them courage to withstand all of that. And may we follow their example if we were ever put in that situation. And so Father, as we move through this passage today, I thank you that although our enemy is invisible, you are invincible. So Father, I, I pray that you would Use my feeble lips and my weak voice to just uh, magnify you and to honor you through your words. So please speak through me. 
because unless you speak, I have nothing at all to say. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's a phrase that has captured my attention, several phrases that have been uh, thrown around in um, the media. Uh, One phrase particularly you've already picked up on is that idea of an invisible enemy. Repeatedly, we've, we've heard people say, well, well, this is a difficult battle we're in because we're, we're fighting an invisible enemy. And we found that when the enemy is invisible, as the virus has been, uh, that can create a lot of confusion, can it? Because uh, when you can't see what's actually there, you can misdiagnose it. You can misrepresent it. There are so many things that happen, and and doesn't that happen with Satan himself as our invisible enemy? And so what have we done in light of this virus and the threat thereof? Well, another phrase is we've taken persistent precautions. Uh, When you're faced with an invisible enemy, not knowing when or where it will attack at the greatest uh, scale, you have to take persistent precautions to protect yourself and be aware of those who are most vulnerable to that invisible enemy. And so we've taken those physical precautions by sheltering in, social distancing. It, It has redefined how we function in our lives because we have have lived watchful and alert to what's going on around us and the impact that it could have that could be very detrimental to us. Now, when it comes to spiritual warfare with an invisible enemy, All of those things apply, don't they? There's this need for persistent precautions to take. Uh, You don't want to assume that you're the exception. You don't want to assume that, well, well, you're safe and everybody else is in harm's way. You you don't want to get proud about that. You want to take persistent precautions. and, And two of those persistent precautions are to shelter in with the Lord get alone with him, refocus daily, refresh yourself by the presence of God, Uh, renew your mind on the scripture, shelter in. And then there's always a need for a believer to do some social distancing. If you uh, socialize with the, the wrong kind of people, you'll either change your world or your world will change you. The scripture says we're not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So, so if you, you turn those things into a spiritual reality, it, it applies, doesn't Persistent precautions of sheltering in with the Lord, social distancing, not that we don't want to reach people for Christ, but we cannot live in the midst of sin and be comfortable if we really belong to the Savior. And sometimes we're simply giving a lost person false assurance by 
socializing with them on a level that is very deceptive. And so all the while we've been focusing on this virus and, and we have been mesmerized by it and we've been unified by it, haven't we, in many ways with people that we have no contact with. Don't you feel closer to people that are singing for you on the internet and things? You just think, man, they love me. Just wait till this is over and you start having to pay all those prices for tickets again. But it's unified us to some extent. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could get that unified about the true invisible enemy? If we could say, okay, our enemy is not another nation. It's not a political maneuvering. Our, our enemy is a spiritual reality of Satan among us, and we've got to do battle on that and focus everything we can to overcome that. If believers, just believers in our nation would come together like that, that would be called revival, which would give birth to spiritual awakening if we would just agree on that. And so all the while this pandemic has been going on, a greater, more deadly invisible enemy has continued to spread his poisonous pandemic of evil virtually unnoticed and unchallenged in our world. Isn't that strange? And so let's look at the text. First of all, the apostle Peter describes for his original audience in the midst of all that they are facing, he, he's reminding them that their ultimate challenge is not the emperor of Rome, it's the enemy from hell, the invisible enemy, the one you can't see. So he says in the beginning of verse eight, be sober or alert, be vigilant. So when it comes to this invisible enemy, uh, the first thing I want you to notice is this. Satan's viciousness demands vigilance. Now, as a pastor, I've been in and out of a lot of people's homes and yards. And they might say to me, you know, you don't need to worry about our cat. It's never clawed anyone. Well, they can't say that anymore after I leave. Or, you know, our dog, he, he barks, but he won't bark. Ow! That happens. I had a pastor one time say, you just got to stare him down. I stared him down, and he walked on up to the house. I was preaching a revival at his church, and the dog came at me. Next pastor I was with, an older guy, I was a young guy, he said, just ignore him. I ignored him and about took my leg off. I mean, there, there's no way to, to avoid that. If, if something appears to be vicious, it, it demands vigilance. You gotta be on your guard. And the scripture here says that Satan's like a roaring lion. And so leading up to that, he says, be vigilant, alert, on your guard. What that means is in my personal life, I've got to guard my heart. 
I've got to guard my thoughts. I've got to guard my actions. I, I, I've got to guard any turning of my heart away from the Lord onto anything else. I've got to be alert and vigilant because this invisible enemy is so vicious. But the next thing that the passage tells us is that Satan is stalking you. Look at verse eight. Be sober, be vigilant or watchful because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I don't know if you've ever been stalked physically, but you're being stalked spiritually right now. I mean, Satan's out in the weeds and the deep grass watching you, just waiting and watching, ready to pounce. And he is poisonously patient. And the moment you let your guard down, he pounces. Satan is stalking you. Now, when, when we're at the stores now, aren't you more aware of people behind you getting too close? And, and I forget, you know, I walk up to the checkout and I, I have to take a giant step back. And sometimes people will encourage us in that area with a look or with their lips and, and breathe really hard to tell you, even though they have a mask on, you're in my space which is probably more dangerous than me walking up close to him than breathing on me to tell me that. But every step of your day, Satan is stalking you. And if you're a parent, every step of your child's day, Satan is stalking you. You know how long it takes for your life to be destroyed? About five minutes. One wrong conversation, one bad friendship, one horrible decision. Satan knows that. He, he's stalking you. Be sober. Be vigilant. For your enemy is roaming about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So that leads to the next thing. And in the passage, the the very same truth uh, points to this. Your adversary is attempting to ambush you. He wants to ambush you. He's setting you up. If he can get you into a dark tunnel of sin and slam the door behind you, then then he's got you. And, And he will ambush you. Have you not been ambushed by our adversary where you thought everything was cool. I got this. It, it may happen to other people, but, but I've got this. Not long after you say, I've got this, he's got you. Because our adversary is attempting to ambush you. So just picture that. It demands vigilance. Why? Because Satan is stalking you and our adversary is attempting to ambush you. 
And remember, his invisibility does not imply inactivity. When you are unaware of him, he is very aware of you. His invisibility does not imply or guarantee inactivity. Then it goes even further, seeking whom he may devour. The devil desires to devour you. He is a murderer. He wants to destroy you. He hates the sight of you when you're walking with God. He hates your savior. He hates your witness for him. He hates the word of God. He hates for you to bow before God. He, he hates all of that about you and he wants to devour you. And you know who he wants to help him in that? You. He wants you to help him in that. And have you not found yourself falling into that trap where he's devouring you by you? By the thoughts you're thinking and the things you're doing, you're, you're offering the members of your body, like it says in uh, Romans chapter six, verses 12 and 13, we offer our members as instruments of unrighteousness to him. I don't know if you watch Westerns, but, but I've never seen a Western or a, a crime drama where they're having this shootout with each other and one of the guns goes empty with the bad guys and they say, time out, I got an extra gun. Carry it over there, walk back. Okay, go. No. Then why do we yield our instruments, the members of our body as instruments of unrighteousness to Satan? So Paul says the right thing to do in verse 13 of Romans 6 is to offer our instruments our, um, the members of our body as instruments of righteousness to God. The devil wants to devour you. He doesn't want to just discourage you or disappoint you or cause you to despair. He wants to devour you. And then notice verse nine, resist him. Don't assist him, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Steadfast in the faith, resist him. James 4 says in verse, verse 6 through 10, draw nigh to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But the key to that whole thing is draw nigh to God. He's not fleeing from you. He's fleeing from him because you've drawn near to him. Satan is a persistent predator of pandemic proportions. Let me say that again. He's a persistent predator of pandemic proportions. Listen to the last part of that. Knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Here's the deal. You're not the first and you're not the worst. What you're experiencing is not the first time anybody's ever experienced that. Our brotherhood, our brothers and sisters of Christ all around the world from, from the coming of Christ till now have experienced the same kind of stuff. You're not the first and you're not the worst. You think you have it the worst of anybody in the world. 
That's not true. Remember, there are people suffering the same and beyond. And when I go to the doctor and I have an issue and he's gonna have to do surgery, after it's all said and done, I kind of want him to tell me that's the worst case I've ever seen just, just because, yay, I, I was the worst. No, I wasn't the first, I wasn't the worst. It happens in our lives because he is a predator who is very poisonous with pandemic proportions because he attacks all around the world. What does that demand? Persistent resistance. Never let your guard down. Never give him an inch in your life. Never give him a second thought when he tempts you. It demands persistent resistance, he says. So that's our invisible enemy. That's the, that's the challenge we face. Wouldn't you at times love to just punch him in the nose? Well, you can't get to him. And if you could, you couldn't do that. He's mighty, but God is almighty. So let's look at that. In contrast to our invisible enemy, let's look at our invincible God. Notice what it says in verse 10. But may the God of all grace, the God of all grace, when the enemy growls, God gives his grace. Isn't that wonderful? When I am walking with Christ and he is shaping my life and and I hear the enemy growl at me, all I have to do is turn to Christ and and he gives me grace to sustain me. When, When Satan growls, God gives us grace. He is the God of all grace. It is his grace that saves us through faith in us putting our trust in Christ, but it is not just his grace that saves us, it is his grace that sustains us. Even when Satan is growling at us, he sustains us with his grace. Notice how you qualify to be sustained by his grace. Look at the passage right before our text, beginning in the last part of verse five. Be clothed with humility. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Now, when you pull verse seven out of context, it sounds like when no matter how you're living, no matter what you're doing, if you're not pleasing God or whatever, if if you get anxious or concerned, you can just cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Well, the reality is that is taking it completely out of context. He's saying, walk in humility, be clothed in that, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. 
See, the Bible uses God's hand as a sign of God's blessing. God's hand was upon him. In the Old Testament, you read that repeatedly. Or the hand of the Lord was against them. His hand will either be on you or against you. Where do you want it? I want it on me. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. What does that mean? That means get in that realm of blessing. The scripture says to live in those boundaries. You get under that. You're, under, you're humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you at just the right time. He will lift you up. And he says, as you're doing all of that, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And you never experience that more than when you are humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. Our invincible God gives us grace when the enemy growls. That's good news. But then there's a second thing about our invincible God. Christ, your commander, has called you into this conflict. You didn't stumble into it. Christ, your commander, has called you into this conflict. Notice what it says in verse 10. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. So you're following God's call in your life. You're, you're walking the path that God has set for you. You're daily trusting him for that next step. And, and the reality is, it, it, the scripture tells us those who will live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We will be under attack. To walk like God wants you to walk is to swim upstream in the culture and right into the kingdom of darkness as an assault on that kingdom. But the scripture says the gates of hell cannot stand against us. Not just against us, but the power of God within us. And so if God has called you and you are his child and, and you don't feel completely loved by the world, that's good. That is an exclamation point on your Faith in Christ, if the world doesn't love you. They didn't love him, they won't love you either, Jesus said. And so he's, he's called us toward eternal life, but that leads us into this conflict. And so, so know that when you're under conflict with the enemy, God pours out his grace to you because Christ, our commander, has called you into that conflict. If it wasn't for him, you wouldn't be in the conflict. You wouldn't be standing against the devil. He has called you there. And those whom he calls and commissions, he cares for them and he comes to them and he covers them with his grace and, and he gives them his power. Christ, the commander, has called you into this conflict. And demonic predators demand divine power. That's the only way to survive. Demonic predators like the roaring lion who seeks to destroy you can unless there is divine power around you. I love the scene in Pilgrim's Progress where they're, they're entering, moving toward this place and there are lions that are coming along and they're, they're fearing, but then they later realize those lions are chained. They go no further than he will allow them to go. They hurt you no, no, no more deeply than he permits. His divine power 
overcomes demonic predators. So if you turn to a parallel passage in Ephesians 6, you find similar commands, but very helpful to to shed light on what we're talking about today. Beginning in verse 10 of Ephesians 6, it says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Doesn't say, you know, to get through this battle, you got to put on your big boy or big girl pants. Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wild schemes or devices of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Uh, Just in expounding on what we're looking at in our text. And so back to our text. Christ has called you into that battle. He's your commander. When the enemy growls, he gives you his grace. And then God's eternal will transcends spiritual warfare. This warfare with the enemy will not last forever, but God's will is going to. Notice what it says in verse 10. But may the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. The spiritual warfare will not last forever, but God's will does. Then it says in verse 11, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Notice what he says. After you have suffered a short time, a little while. Think about that. We're like the the little preschooler that says, this is going to last forever. I've waited forever. We throw up our hands and say, it's been like this too long. I want this to be over with. And Peter says, hey, you're going to suffer for a little while. In light of eternity, it's a little while. It's like the, the, the suffering gives birth to the weight of glory beyond that. The the sufferings of this present life are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, says in Romans 8, 18. And so he's calling us to his eternal glory and, and we're following him and we know that his will does transcend our spiritual warfare. His blessings overshadow the battle. Let me read a quote out of William Gurnall's book, The Christian Complete Armor, written in 1656, I believe. For the waging of a few days' conflict, you will be rewarded with heaven's glory. One moment of this celestial joy will dry up all your tears, heal all your wounds, and erase the sharpness of the fight with the joy of your permanent victory. And if the fight be too much for you, 
Your dear Savior stands by with reserves for your relief at a moment's notice. His very heart leaps within him to see the proof of your love and zeal for him in all your combats. He will not forget your faithfulness. And when you come off the field, he will receive you as joyously as the Father received him, Jesus, upon his return to heaven. Isn't that just a magnificent scene? There is so much more ahead of us. So much more. And there is joy awaiting us. And so the final verse in our text, verse 11 implies, our glorious God will disarm, defeat, and dethrone the devil. He will disarm, defeat, and dethrone the devil. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and forever and ever and ever throughout all eternity. So here's where we live. We live between that in the future and Genesis 3.15 in the past, where Eve is told in the Garden of Eden that the serpent will bite his heel, but he will crush his head. So if you turn to the very end of the Bible, you, you find a picture of the victory that awaits us over the enemy and and. In Revelation 20, 20, it says this. Or 2010. And the devil who deceived them was cast in the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever and forever. Our tormentor will be tormented much longer than he ever tormented us. We will enter into the everlasting joy and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ all the while he is suffering and tormented throughout eternity because God will disarm him, destroy him, and cast him out into the sea and lake of fire. And so we're in a battle bigger than the one we think we're in right now. I hope today the scriptures remind us what's really at stake. We do have an invisible enemy, but don't get mesmerized by that. We have an invincible God. I love a prayer that's included in the Valley of Vision. I wanna close with this. It was originally prayed by Charles Spurgeon. It's been condensed in the Valley of Vision. Called the servant in battle. Oh Lord, I bless you that the issue of the battle between yourself and Satan has never been uncertain and will end in victory. Calvary broke the dragon's head and I contend with a vanquished foe who with all his subtlety and strength has already been overcome. When I feel the serpent at my heel, may I remember him whose heel was bruised, but who when bruised broke the devil's head. My soul with inward joy extols the mighty conqueror. 
Heal me of any wounds received in the great conflict. If I've gathered defilement, if my faith has suffered damage, if my hope is less than bright, if my love is not fervent, if some creature comfort occupies my heart, if my soul sinks under pressure of the fight, O thou whose every promise is balm and every touch life, draw near to your weary warrior. Refresh me that I may rise again to wage the strife and never tire until the enemy, never tire until the enemy is trodden down. Give me such fellowship with you that I may defy Satan, unbelief, the flesh, the world, with delight that comes not from a creature and which a creature cannot mar. Give me a drought of the eternal fountain that lies in your immutable, everlasting love and decree. Then shall my hand never weaken, my feet never stumble, my sword never rust, my shield never rest, my helmet never shatter, my breastplate never fail, and my strength rests in the power of your might. Let's pray together. Father, we, how we thank you that the victory is certain, but only in Christ. So Father, I pray if there's someone within the sound of my voice in this room or on the internet who doesn't have that certain assurance of victory in their life through the death of Christ in a sacrificial manner for them, that they would bow their knee to him today. Father, if there's someone who has become comfortable in the culture, thinking they're an exception to the rule, I, I pray that you would open their eyes to your word today. Father, give them grace and courage to turn quickly to you before certain destruction. And Father, for weary warriors in the battle, I pray that they would be strengthened through what they've heard from your word today. So Father, thank you for the power of the name of Jesus. the power of the blood of Jesus and the power of the resurrection of Jesus and for the certain victory that brings. And it's through him that we address you in this prayer. Amen. We would like to thank you for joining us for this message from First Baptist Church in Crockett, Texas. First Baptist desires to be a house of prayer with a heart for people, making a difference by making disciples from our neighborhood to the nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, please visit www.firstcrockett.org. Until next time, may God's blessings be upon you.